KPFK on your very own radio at 90.7 FM, all over Southern California. Out of Santa Barbara County, we're at 98.7 FM and, of course, streaming for the world at kpfk.org. Intervision now till 2 o'clock this afternoon, Friday edition. Hi, hello, howdy. Michael Benner, your host on Intervision today. Thanks for sticking around. Uh, hope you can stay with us for a while. Going to have a good show for you today. We'll open up the telephones a little bit later in the hour. We do have a theme that we're going to work today. Personally, I think a fascinating theme. Uh, you know, recently, given my interest in spirituality, in uh, metaphysics and mysticism, in awareness, consciousness, I like to describe it on this program as the deeper reasons of identity and motive that stand behind our thoughts and our feelings and our behavior. Everybody talks about what you did and, uh, you know, or, or, well, what were you thinking when you did that? Or how did you feel? You know, why did you do that? Well, because I felt this way or I thought this or, you know, I just acted or reacted and thought about it later. Rarely do we go deeper into the real identity and motives, the awareness or lack of it that stands behind it. And I want to address that very directly today in the context of uh, something we talked about a couple of weeks ago, really, the computer age. Increasingly, I think people are aware of movies on demand via your cable or satellite. The idea that you can start a movie, a film, at your home anytime you want, at a moment's notice. Push the button. Whether it's pay-per-view or free, it's on demand. Well, that's pretty incredible. We can also download files from the Internet. As of a couple of months ago, most KPFK programs are available on our website, including this one, Friday Intervision, on demand, streaming. Go to the kpfk.org website. You can listen to any one of these programs for, uh, I guess, the archive for about 90 days. And then, of course, there's podcasts and all kinds of websites with downloadable files. And the idea of uploading and downloading caused me to begin to th bring those two together. Ancient, ageless wisdom, esoteric philosophy, um, metaphysics and mysticism with this new age technology. And so today I want to talk about wisdom on demand. Yeah, think about this. Is there, could there possibly be, a reservoir of personal insight and understanding that stands above you, accessible to you, but just because of the level of evolution, or maybe we could argue because of the level of stress and anxiety in the society, we're really not aware of our ability to access this wisdom. And yet we all know the experience of, well, I guess technically it's called Eureka Illumination, or you may know it as the AHA experience, where spontaneously, quite suddenly, and apparently for no reason at all, boing, 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 the light comes on and you understand. Big pieces, large concepts. I think the German word for it is the gestalt, the big picture. In Southern California, we'd say the whole enchilada suddenly comes through, and you understand all these bits and pieces that you were not able to understand. And further, that that wisdom, that intelligence, that insight or understanding tends to arrive with a confirmation rush, a sense, a really deep sense that that's it. Aha! Yeah, that's what Eureka means. I found it. Boing, boing, you know. I, again, like so many things heard on KPFK, uh, this is not commonly discussed. If, uh, if you have friends who are open to this kind of discussion, those are valuable friends. Well, today I'd like to talk about the nature of insight, revelation, and wisdom, and suggest that we can go beyond hoping for such insight and waiting for such understanding 
and access personal wisdom on demand from a metaphysical or spiritual point of view. You're going to like it. i got a couple of announcements to make at the top, but then we're going to talk about this idea. Again, insight, revelation, understanding. Uh, you could call it genius on demand if you want, except that it's very personal. So traditionally the word has been wisdom, and can we access it on demand? And if so, how do you do that? And could I give you a tool, a technique, a skill or two that you can practice to promote really profound understanding in your life in very practical and pragmatic ways? A reservoir that in olden times, in Middle Ages, was called the rain cloud of knowable things. That's our topic for today. And again, we'll start right after a couple of important announcements that I have. And uh, we'll take your telephone calls a little later in the hour. So make a little cup of tea and enjoy yourself, whatever you happen to be doing, even if you're driving around the city. I've got four basic announcements I just want to rip through real quickly, and I'll try and do it in order here. Again, this is InterVision on KPFK. My name is Michael Benner. Today our theme is the nature of insight, revelation, and what I'm calling wisdom on demand. And uh, again, I th I think it's fascinating that, well, virtually everybody knows the experience of your head seeming to open up and a, a burst of light coming in, and you suddenly see. You It's like, oh, I see. You suddenly understand a problem that you've had or a a confounding or confusing situation suddenly is so apparent. And it's as if these thoughts are already conceived of, already realized on some other plane of existence or some other level of awareness, and then they break through somehow, suddenly, spontaneously into our conscious awareness. Thoughts arrive full-blown. And thoughts, realization, again, insider understanding that arrives with a sense of confirmation. I call it a confirmation rush. In other words, you not only get the insight, the realization, but you get a sense of, oh my God, that's it. Oh, well, it's so obvious now. Oh, I see. Oh, it's so clear to me. Why didn't I understand before? Well, I want to go beyond that spontaneous uh, what do they call it? Eureka illumination, I think, is probably the technical term for it, or you may know it as the aha experience. Go beyond that as something sudden and spontaneous and consider whether we could access wisdom on demand or genius on demand. Is there a reservoir or a pool of insight, of higher knowledge that stands above us? And I'm not talking about God in a religious sense, or or Jesus, or any other prophet. I'm talking about something much more personal than that. And I won't even get into the different models at this point. When we open the telephones later in the hour, maybe our callers will go to the more specific, you know, paradigms or models of, of how this might work. But I'd like to argue that from time out of mind, according to the ageless wisdom, sometimes called the perennial philosophy, the, the ancient theology, Prisca Theologia, there is in the mystical literature of all cultures and all times an understanding of this reservoir of wisdom, of insight and understanding that's available to us and that, yeah, we really could access on demand just like we access movies on demand or download a file from the Internet. If there really is a higher self, what does it have to say to you? And are you listening? Are you willing to listen to it? And... I just think it's absolutely fascinating that this happens spontaneously and suddenly and that everybody knows the experience, but it seems rare, if ever, that anybody says, I wonder if I could promote that. I wonder if I could train myself to access insight, 
revelation? What is being revealed? To whom? By whom? What is that process of revelation? Or even the word inspiration is interesting because technically it means to breathe into. Just like, you know, expire is to breathe out or to die. To conspire is to breathe with, to all share the same breath. So inspiration, here we have again that esoteric idea, the element of air, or in the beginning there was the word breathed into you. Okay. Now, most of our models in the West are pretty simple. It's really God and man, uh, heaven and earth, uh, in, in the simplest sense, just this dualism. But many of the esoteric traditions are a little more complex than that. There's a hierarchy, uh, a, uh, a level of stairs or steps. And so, again, when we go to the telephones, I'd love to open this up to your understanding of where this comes from. But again, I think everybody knows it. What I'm throwing out today is a question, can you access it on demand? Could you download the higher self? Is there conceivably answers to every single one of your problems standing at the threshold, just waiting to come into your brain, into your consciousness, the mind, if not the brain, or maybe the wisdom of the heart. There's increasing understanding that the heart is a center of understanding. But whatever the model, whatever the paradigm, do we access it? Are we accessing it? Why wait for a good idea to suddenly pop into the head? What is the source of this light? There's a great quote by Rudolf Steiner the philosopher, theosophist, later anthroposophist. You know, isn't he the fellow that uh, started the Waldorf schools, I think? And he talks about the light that comes into your awareness spontaneously and suddenly, although he talked, as I'm talking today, about promoting it with a still and calm and quiet mind. We'll get to that. And he said, when this light comes in, and you suddenly are inspired or realize really personal and practical information. Suddenly, and it arrives with a sense of confirmation. He says the light not only illumines the landscape of your life, but changes it forevermore. Think about that. I know it's not taught in school. It's obviously not taught in school. That's why your friends and neighbors aren't saying, well... I wasn't sure what to do, so I sat down, I closed my eyes, and I used a quiet mind and a calm heart to engender the wisdom, to download inspiration and revelation. Mm. And yet, mystics, women and men from time out of mind in all cultures and all societies and all ethnicities have understood the process. It's just uh, tragic that... Uh, so few people seek to practice it, and that we're led largely by people who promote fear, who, who want you to be more anxious and more nervous and, and make sure your mind is not quiet, but full of ideas. You, know, you go home, the first thing you do is turn on the radio or turn on some music or, God forbid, turn on the TV and all of this information coming in, it's almost as if there is an attempt to keep your mind so busy that you remain unaware of this reservoir of wisdom above you. i give you an example of what I'm talking about in, um, well, either late medieval or early Renaissance literature, depending on how you want to look at it, 12th, 13th century in Europe. There's a concept that came forward uh, that has come to be known as the rain cloud of knowable things. Actually, there's a book from the 13th or 14th century called The Cloud of Unknowing. And this is a pretty rich metaphysical uh, or alchemical concept, actually. Uh, the, the rain cloud of knowable things. It's, it's, uh, let me take just a second to tell you about 
the role of the cloud in metaphysics, uh, especially in alchemy, the idea that humidity is invisible and unseen, okay, that the air can carry water that you can't see. Scientists would talk in this day and age about the relative humidity. You know, we like Southern California because it's dry. The humidity is low. In the summertime back east, they say, well, it's hot, but it's not the heat that gets you. It's the humidity, right? Can't see it. You can feel it, but it's invisible and unseen. But then that humidity can, under certain conditions, uh, condense or you might say, as alchemists sometimes said, coagulate. We use that word with blood. Blood coagulates. Water vapors condense into a cloud that can then, in stage three, precipitate down as rain. So look at these stages. Here you have humidity, water, invisible and unseen, that condenses into a cloud and then precipitates into something solid. Well, liquid, but still taking a form. And so the cloud stands between the water and the invisible water vapor. And so when mystics would, 800 years ago or so, talk about the rain cloud of knowable things, or the, the, the cloud of knowing, or the, the cloud of forgetting, this old... Literature talks about that. They're talking about this level between God and man, between spirit and matter, between the one and the many. The plane of the soul, if you will, or what we're talking about is overshadowing wisdom. Well, imagine that there is sort of like cyberspace. There are these websites up there that you could download from, these movies waiting for you to push the right button on your magical controller, and here comes the movie just waiting for you, on demand, sent right into your home. Nobody else is watching it exactly at the same time as you, coming off a satellite someplace when you say so, on demand. Pretty cool. We take it for granted already. Hasn't been that long that we found out. Well, what if this is an allegory for a quality of knowledge, of insight, of understanding? I'm, I'm saying that, 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 that the proof is there. This is my argument because sometimes the pressure gets so great that it just bursts into your awareness. And so if we all know the aha experience, if we all have had periods, spontaneous, sudden revelation or insight, the light comes on, and you go, oh, my God, that's it. Oh, that's the answer I've been looking for. Oh, well, gee, that immediately, instantaneously explains all these bits and pieces that I couldn't explain. I mean, this is what we prayed for in school, right? <laughs> when, you're, when you're studying for the test or the final exam, and you have all these bits and pieces, and, and you've studied all of the, the details of the information, it's the really good students, however, that have an ability to put it together conceptually to get the, the overarching, the umbrella type, all-inclusive concept that unifies or at least harmonizes all the various pieces. You know, again, how to learn is not commonly taught in the world or at least in the Western world, in the United States, and the, and the metaphysical idea that there's information available outside your brain, outside the sense that most of us have of self, um, I think is found in this phenomena. It sure could be explained mechanically or physically as some part of the brain that stands outside consciousness and figuring this out. But it's been addressed metaphysically and spiritually throughout the ages. And so I like, thought I'd bring it up today and, and talk about wisdom on demand and whether you've ever considered that, gosh, if, if I can suddenly and spontaneously have this awareness, this insight that brings to me knowledge and with it a sense of, oh, my God, that's it, a confirmation rush. Wow, that's clearly what I've been looking for. And then you go and apply it in your life, and it really works. 
Why would you not want to practice that, to learn to promote that? And yet I find very little interest among my friends and neighbors, among your friends and neighbors. But I thought, well, that's a great topic for intervision, right? So let's throw it open. Questions or comments, 818-985-5735. We'll go to the phones in just a few minutes. Brooks is our producer. You'll talk to her. 818-985-5735. Especially your comments, your questions on this idea of inspiration, revelation, wisdom on demand. The rain cloud of knowable things. Is there a reservoir of wisdom, of insight and understanding? Of, uh, what are some other words? How about uh, transpersonal? Is that a good one for you? Are you familiar with transpersonal psychology, going beyond the ego or the persona to a quality of character that really, well, again, transpersonal or uh, integral? I mean, there's different ways of talking about it, but I'd love to know what you think about it. And if you're aware of this phenomena, are you promoting it? Are you consciously accessing it? And you know who uh, I'd really like to hear from are artists who use this. Whether art for you is music or painting or drawing or sculpting or dancing or singing or speaking or acting or, or writing or whatever it may be. I remember hearing Paul McCartney talk about this years and years ago in some interview that he did, and he talked about how he wrote Let It Be. And he said, well, I was just meditating one day, (laughs) and this image of Mother Mary came to me, whispering words of wisdom, let it be, let it be. And he quick wrote it down, you know, he grabbed a pencil and he looked for a sheet of paper and he just couldn't write fast enough. And I bet you know that phenomenon. Sometimes you get this inspiration and it comes already thought out, full blown, and you just can't write fast enough. I remember Bob Dylan on uh, the interview he did on 60 Minutes just a couple of months ago with the late Ed Bradley talking about uh, one of his early songs, It's All Right, Ma. And he quoted a couple of lines from It's All Right, Ma. And then he says about himself, now how do you do something like that? He said, because he was really talking about the fact that he can't write as well as he used to. I'm not sure that's true myself, but that's what Dylan was saying on the 60-minute show. He says, how do you do something like that? Uh, apparently saying that I didn't write that. It just came through me, not from me. It came through me. And that's what McCartney was saying. Well, I was meditating and Mother Mary came to me, whispering words of wisdom. Listen to the beautiful alliteration. That's not something you sit down and deduce. That's not logical, rational thinking. You could say it's creative. You could say it's intuitive. We could talk about inductive thought. Okay. Let it be. Let it be. Those are whispered words of wisdom. The rain cloud of knowable things. And you know, sometimes I'm talking about it as if it always bursts into your awareness in an explosive sense. That's what the Greeks meant by eureka, the illumination of a reka or a ha. But sometimes it's the dawning of a new idea. Sometimes it comes in on cat's feet. You know what I mean? It's like inspiration, insight, or revelation that arrives slowly, the dawning of a new idea. Oh, and then I began to realize, listen to that word even, realize. Oh, yeah, just sort of began to occur to me, dawned on me, And then between the dawning of a new idea and this explosive aha would be the archetypical light bulb, you know, Ford, uh, what was it, 15, 20 years ago, started a campaign, Ford has a better idea, and this light bulb would click on, well, that's an ancient archetype, well, 
light bulbs are only a hundred and some years old, so it's not really an ancient archetype, but the, the idea of light, of being enlightened, okay, or the love and the light as qualities of insight and understanding. So, Wisdom on demand, inspiration, revelation, realization can be this thunderous, explosive, oh, I see, or it might just be a gradual dawning, like the sun coming up in the morning, or it could be suddenly the light comes on, don't hide your candle under a bushel, why curse the darkness, light a candle, all of that. So there's a whole spectrum, but I'm most fascinated by the explosive phenomena and whether you've ever considered, honestly, in a very practical and pragmatic way, accessing on demand that wisdom through what? What would be the source? It would have to be a still mind and a calm heart. It would have to be some form of meditation, introspection contemplation. You would have to somehow turn away from monkey mind, somehow release the multitasking of the brain, especially when stressed and anxious, offering you six, eight, ten, twelve ideas for your consideration, all at the same time. Listen to me. No, listen to me. Do this. Do that. Did you fix this? Did you pay that bill? What about sex? What about food? What about this? What about that? Oh, and you wonder why you're exhausted at the end of the day. And you find that the revelation, the inspiration comes when you're, when you're quiet, when you're walking the dog or petting the cat, when you're repotting your philodendron, when you're taking a shower or sitting in the bathtub. The mind is quiet. The heart is calm. Why not promote that? The rain cloud of knowable things, the reservoir that is the wisdom standing above you, imagine available to you at all times. As an artist <laughs> or just a problem solver in the most practical way. Give up this idea that there's some psychotechnology or some religion or enough money to take you to a place where there are no problems. Give it up. Forget it. Nobody ever got there. But you can be a better problem solver. Or maybe you could just realize that you're inventing a lot of problems that really aren't problems at all, except that you framed it that way and you made it a problem and you just don't want to accept the circumstance or the situation, so you call it a problem, in which case wisdom says to you, you sure that's a problem or are you just inventing that? Maybe it's really not a problem. Maybe it's okay just as it is. Maybe the whispered words of wisdom often are. Let it be. You know, We're so afraid of that word acceptance. I've done whole programs just on, and probably will again just on the word acceptance. Acceptance, gang, is not the end of things. <laughs> acceptance is a new beginning. We'll do that show down the road a piece. 818-985-5735. Let's take a short break and we'll come back with your questions and comments on this idea. Inspiration, revelation, wisdom on demand. It's inner vision. I'm KPFK. We'll be right back. Hey, we're talking about wisdom on KPFK and Inner Vision, Friday edition here till 2 o'clock this afternoon. You may call it inspiration. You may know it as revelation. You might call it realization, one of my favorite words. But there is a reservoir, I'm arguing, a pool, a, a, a rain cloud of knowable things that stands above us and sometimes just pops into your head in a sudden, spontaneous, and seemingly explosive way, arriving not just information and understanding, but with a sense of confirmation. That's it. My God, there's no question about it. Look, apply it. It works. And if that's the case, and if virtually everybody has had that, that, that experience spontaneously, then... Why would you hope that it happens again when you have a problem? Why would you wait 
for realization to happen? Why not learn to use a quiet mind and a calm heart to lower your resistance to understanding? That's really what it is. We are resistant to realization. We, we, we really don't want to know. I mean, uh, I'm open to arguing that in a friendly way, but there's a kind of a spiritual inertia with human beings that uh, a body at rest wants to stay at rest, a mind that's closed wants to stay closed, a heart that's rigid and crystallized is resistant to softening, on some level anyway. It's part of what it's all about. Let's go to the phones and see what you think. Looks like we have a pretty good response here. Want to start in West Los Angeles? Annapurna, you're on KPFK with Michael Benner. Hi. Blessings, Michael. How are you today? Thank you. I'm better and better. So, in letting go of the darkness, I've found the light and, and offered back up my everyday music and my cooking and my life as a meditation. Not just, just sitting with a quiet mind, but finding that quiet uh, stillness even while I work. And finding my inner smile, which I lost. So finding your inner child, did you say? My inner smile. Oh, your inner smile. My inner smile, my inner happiness that I, I let go of when I was living in a communal house with people that I thought were more spiritually uplifted and it became, became something other. <laughs> so I left. So you lost that smile, but you regained it through, what do you call that, mindfulness? Mindfulness and, and, and also support of some friends who reminded me of, of the person that they knew and loved. Uh-huh. They reminded me. They, 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 they re-imprinted who I was when they first met me. And these are people that have known me for a long time. You know, I'm one of a lot of people that does work that is really an educational or spiritual alternative to psychology. Mm-hmm. And if we look in any one of the, from any of those points of view, psychologically or socially or spiritually, at people's problems and their heartaches, we find at the root a deep sense of inadequacy, right. a fear that we're not good enough. And how ironic that that comes from trying to be good enough. That's right. <laughs> and what you're saying is if we accept that we could not be other than That's right. in the image of all that is wonderful and beautiful and good and true, then you get the experience that you're right about that. Yeah, and, and, and then what happens is the music, the food, the art, the writing, everything that you that you push yourself to try and create, try and find something, it doesn't, you don't have to find it, it just comes. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It All just right. happens. That's it. Great. Thank you. Have, you a, have, a, have a wonderful weekend. Thank you. Appreciate it. Also in West Los Angeles, Robert, you're on KPFK. It's Intervision with Michael Benner. Hi, Robert. Hello, Michael. How are you? I'm better and better. Thanks. Outstanding. You know, you've said a lot, and uh, I really feel that you've, you've answered your own question in talking about this phenomena. Um, so what I would say is this, and I found this to be uh, workable. It works in my own life. Is that the reservoir is here now in our midst all the time. It's not stacked in seven planes in some higher dimension. It's right here. But we have to be sensitive of enough to hear it. The problem is that most of us move too fast, and the information is coming all the time, but we're getting ahead of ourselves constantly, literally. So you don't particularly care for um, those references to the veils or the illusion or Toto pulling back the curtain? uh well, the, the veil for me, is, it, it seems, has been a block. The, what, what I have thought that I knew, what I believed I knew about something, anything, eventually became a block to a greater experience of truth. So when I abandoned what I thought I knew, 
that's when I got the inrush of inspiration. That's a nice definition of wisdom, actually. I think there's a Chinese quote, I don't maybe it's Lao Tzu, uh, that uh, to acquire knowledge we add to, but to acquire wisdom we take away from. Yes, it's something like the Zen thing, the 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 uh, the teacup uh, situation where the you're full of yourself. Yeah, exactly <laughs> that one. How how are you going to receive anything if you're already full of yourself? Yeah. What we believe about anything, and particularly about, I mean, this, one could say this is almost basic Hinduism, where the 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 understanding that our thoughts about deity become the thing that short circuits yes. our experience of deity. Yes, yes. That if any form, even a thought about God would be a thought form, would stand between you and the formless. Exactly. Yeah, it, so. it, it becomes the resistance that you're talking about, the block, the veil. All these things are, are barriers to the truth. The, 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 what the truth is can't reach us. It can't get through the static in our minds, which is all the rubbish that we're holding on to, that we're you know we're invested in, that we believe in, that has uh, you know shored up our emotions. And you, you know, think this is true, Robert, for practical, mundane, earthly problems as well as the great questions of life and purpose? And yes, uh, you were talking about the heart a while ago, and in the last. Well, since ancient times, the mystics have gone blue in the face trying to tell us about the importance of the wisdom of the heart. And it's only recently that Western science has actually figured out that the heart is part of the mind brain. Yeah. And the level of what I believe is that the level of wisdom, the level of intelligence, if you will, that's accessible from the heart is... What is appropriate for me in this moment? In other words, it, it, the heart is connected to the collective completely and is our way, it offers us a way of orienting ourselves to the collective and knowing what our purpose is within that and then instructs us moment by moment about what is the most appropriate move for us, given the collective at any moment. Whereas the brain is more dedicated to the appearance of a separative self. And problems of, you know, pro solving problems that it makes, it so that it generates. You know, <laughs> out of these questions that it asks about things, and that's okay. Curiosity is okay. The intellect's okay. But intelligence, having a sense of what is the most elegant move, the most appropriate in any given moment, that's heart stuff. But the only way to really feel that, hear that, is to be attentive to it. Yeah, you got to quiet the mind, calm the heart. And All slow right. down. Thank you, Robert. Thanks. Take it easy. Wonderful call. Let's go to Peggy in Woodland Hills. Hello, Peggy. You're on Intervision with Michael Benner. Hi. Um, well, I'm calling in because I really liked what you were saying. And um, I've always had an uh, experience a lot where I, I wake up in the morning, and the moment I wake up, I'm just thinking of all these things I hadn't known I was thinking about. Um, and about a year ago, I started paying attention to them and actually writing down what was coming into my head. And it's all kinds of different things. It could be specifically about a problem or just things um, that I'm thinking about about the world. Um, recently, I woke up and I ended up writing three pages about um, capitalism and greed and how we're all caught up in all of this and, and really everything you need comes from the earth and is already there. Let me see if I understand um, you. You're not talking about remembering dreams. You're talking no. about the first thoughts that come to mind as you awaken. Yes. Okay. And I have no idea how that happens. Or why? But you understand, obviously, that there is a mental stream behind applied thinking. Okay. I mean, you could sit down to balance your checkbook or to read a novel or to, um, you know, apply yourself to some other task. That's different than 
that kind of applied thinking, reasoning, logic, rational thinking, obviously is different than just watching the mental stream. That's what it seems I hear you describing anyway. I, I think so, because it's not something I can do on purpose, and it doesn't happen every single day. Are you sure? I don't, well, maybe I'm not sure. Sometimes if I just don't jump up right away and just lay there quietly for a few minutes, then it will start to happen. But a lot of the times I just wake up and immediately just know all these things. (laughs) (laughs) See, I think this is fascinating. I just am, all my life have been baffled by people who are not interested in these kinds of phenomena to to dedicate yourself at least a few mornings a week to watching yourself awaken mentally. That's what you're doing. You're watching thoughts gear up. It's not just your physical body that's waking up. You're watching your brain begin to fire up like an old 58 Ford or something, you know, (laughs) bringing to mind all of those worries and but behind that is a mental drift also, and uh, that's why we often do talk about the layers or the um, the levels or the planes of awareness, because I think most people, anyway, can relate to the difference between applied thinking, like, excuse me, I have to read this book right now, I'm studying, or I have to... I have to do this math problem or I want to figure out what I'm going to, I'm going to draw a plan here for something as opposed to just sitting quietly in a rocking chair and mindfully watching the mental drift that remains when you're not applying yourself. Now, uh, I'm, I don't think most people do that consciously, but I think if you ask people, they're aware that there is this mental stream. Obviously, I'm not doing this consciously, but if I don't, Write it down. I'll, I'll forget whatever it was pretty quickly. Uh-huh. Most of the time, and then if I start writing it down, then it usually even grows into something much bigger. Do you find it valuable? Much more helpful. Yes. More Very. than more than intriguing or fascinating. No, probably more valuable. In a practical um, sense. Yes. You get yes. good information by doing that. Um, yes, like this. One thing, it started out one way, but then I'll see how it applies to, you know, I've been thinking about my debt a whole lot or, you know, how am I going to answer certain things or know what to do. Now, um, uh, let me interrupt you. I want to know about the other end of this. Have you considered initiating this as you fall asleep? No. Will you? Okay. I'm not sure how I would do that. Ask the question as you fall asleep. Let's say just ask a question of yourself. If there is a higher self, all right, then, I mean, who are we talking to when we talk to ourselves? You know, it's like the Eckhart Tolle uh, mystery in the first chapter of uh, uh, what's it called? The Power of Now. He talks about, I hate myself when I'm depressed like this. Well, if I hate myself, how many of me are there? And if there's more than two, maybe only one of them is real. That's all, that's all in the first chapter of The Power of Now, and I think that's pretty profound. So when we talk with ourselves, or when we have these arguments in our head, you, all, you know that phenomenon, right? You ever notice that your spouse becomes one of those voices sometimes and now is saying something that irritates you because you've already got that argument in your head? Yes. And I've noticed that too. I think we can do a lot in in promoting relationships and marriage and and elsewhere if we would understand this whole dialectic of how one thought leads to another thought, leads to another thought. Hegel really laid this out a couple hundred years ago. The the thesis becomes the antithesis out of which comes the synthesis. Well, that's the way thoughts work. So we're always having these internal arguments and conflicts with ourselves. But there's a part of us that can watch the argument. And that begs the question, well, which are you? Are you one of those voices that's arguing, or are you one who can 
take a step back and watch the argument without being all that involved in it. So what I'm saying, to simplify this, is let's say you just uh, wake up in the morning and you're watching these thoughts and, and you are not the thinker, but you are the one that is fascinated by observing these thoughts. And then you decide that night that you're going to do it again, only as you go to sleep, you ask a question and say to yourself, when I wake up in the morning, I will follow on to this concept, this idea, this question. And I'm wondering right now, and then fall asleep with the question in your mind and see if it impacts or affects this process when you awaken in the morning. Okay, I'll try that. Okay. Do you remember your dreams as well? Um, I often do, but um, especially lately, since I've been writing down what I've been thinking more, uh -huh. I haven't been able to sleep very well. Oh. I wake up all the time, and it just seems like I'm either dreaming or thinking constantly, and it, it's kind of disturbing sometimes. Oh. Um, well, then so say when a I, lot of voices in my head, and I don't know where they're coming from. Add the phrase as you go to sleep. As add the phrase in the sentencing, in the suggestion. Add the phrase when I wake up in the morning. To eliminate the expectation that you're going to wake up every time one of these thoughts comes into your mind, you're waking yourself up to realize the thought, and then that expectation becomes self-fulfilling. Don't you see? So just add that little phrase as you fall asleep. In the morning when I wake up, I'll reflect upon this idea, that idea, this pondering, this wondering. You know, whatever it is. It sounds like you're, you're talking about all kinds of great questions. I'm going to take one more call before we run. Okay. But thanks. I think that's very fascinating. Let's go to Ken in Thousand Oaks. You're on KPFK. It's Intervision. I just got a couple of minutes, Ken. What's going on? Well, I'm an artist, and uh, I'm using uh, a tool that may be out of date. I don't know if it matters or if it's an old term, but it used to be called unconscious scanning. <clears throat> but uh, as, uh, as you know, a painter, for instance, uh, develops a problem on a rectangular canvas in most cases. And the whole idea is to solve, solve it or to find a resolution or to finish it. Okay. And I noticed over and over that all the input I try to bring in for research information, everything, try to put it into the work, actually creates, you know, a, a mess. So the resolution comes when I'm focusing for long periods of time, meditating with it in my vision, scanning it, eliminating and adding what's, what's appropriate. And um, usually I notice when I lose consciousness that if I'm, I'm working, say, long periods of time focusing, and suddenly the answer comes in a flash. Right, right. And it's like hearing a, a friend's or an English voice. Let's say you're in Baghdad, and suddenly you're in the crowd of people. You hear an English voice speaking your name. It's a, it's a recognition. Yes, that's the confirmation rush I was talking about. That's a nice way of saying it. But I've, I've used to call it unconscious scanning. Well, that's a new term for me, but I like it, unconscious scanning. But we want to be conscious of our unconsciousness. There's the rub. That's exactly. And that's what an artist has to do is grab it. And any spiritual being. And you jump out of your chair and you fix it and it's there. It, without a doubt, you know exactly yeah. what to do. That's Eureka. All right. Got to go. We're out of time, Ken, but thank you, man. Thanks. Bye. What wonderful calls. That's exactly what I was looking for, and that's why we all tune into KPFK. What an audience. What a group of women and men. Thanks for Intervision Monday through Friday. Lisa calls it the Aware Show on Wednesday and Thursday, but every day, Monday through Friday from 1 till 2, it's spirituality and health in one form or format. My pleasure to be your host on Fridays. Hope you have a wonderful day today. Keep it on KPFK. Nothing but really valuable alternative news and information for you from, well, I was going to say from morning till night, but all night long, too. 90.7 FM on your radio. My website is theagelesswisdom.com. 
And uh, there's all kinds of information there about how to do this, how to practice various forms of meditation, realization, um, this uh, insight, inspiration. I like the word realization, especially self-realization. And next week we're going to talk more about this, but in the sense of how does this speak to the sense of who you are? Self-realization. Is there wisdom available in terms of the ultimate stressor? Who am I? <laughs> is it conceivable that all of your problems really flow out of your confusion about who you are? Join us next week. We'll have more for you. Fundraising after that, all kinds of fun stuff on KPFK. Make it a point to join us. Thanks to D'Angelo for engineering, to Brooks for producing the radio program, to my wife Doreen for all of her help, and to you, of course, for listening. As always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner.